0: Hi, this is Mordechai Fleischer of the Denver Community Colil, and I'm pleased to present you with the very first podcast of a series that will focus on the sins, the missteps that we find in the Torah, and an attempt of a discussion to understand and gain a greater appreciation uh, for what those sins were and the lessons we can learn from them. It's important to understand off the bat that when the Torah tells us of missteps of people in the Torah— whether they are very great people or very wicked people, the Torah is telling it to us not just to tell us that these people messed up, but if it's in the Torah, that means it's part of the very, very fabric of the world itself. And it's something which is very vital to the functioning of the world, which means that there are very important messages and ideas that we need to pull out. It's also important to remember that the Torah does not deal with small people. When we have a great righteous person, Who makes an error? This is an extremely, generally we are talking about a very righteous, extremely righteous, great person uh, whose error and whose misstep is usually a very subtle mistake uh, and very nuanced error. It's not an egregious, terrible mistake. And so whenever the Torah describes a mistake, it's important for us to try to determine where exactly this person went wrong. We're not talking about uh, you know, a drunk on a corner uh, shouting epithets or doing terrible things, but rather we are talking about great people who are constantly trying to improve themselves and do the right thing, and who perhaps made a slight error. Conversely, when we deal with wicked people, we're not dealing with small wicked people either. We're dealing with great wicked people, people who had a very great awareness and understanding and connection to the spiritual world, and whose errors weren't just uh, superficial errors, but rather whose errors had very deep roots, and we will try to plumb the depths of those roots and of those errors and see what we come out with and how that applies to us. We're going to start from the beginning of Barashas, and right away during creation, we find some interesting stuff going on, even before Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve are created, we find some interesting stuff going on. So, right at the beginning, or almost at the beginning, on day three, we find that on the third day, Hashem... uh, Creates or he clears the water off the dry land, and Hashem orders that the earth bring forth growth, and among that growth is what's called the verses eight uh, pre, osepri, a tree of fruit producing fruit, which is a somewhat superfluous language. A eight pre, a tree of fruit producing fruit. And what does it mean? A tree of fruit producing fruit, just say a fruit producing tree. So Rashi tells us that. Hashem had commanded that the earth bring forth trees, that the tree itself, the wood of the tree, would have the flavor of the fruit. Now, I don't think that means that if you would bite into the trunk of an apple tree, it would crunch like an apple. But it means that the wood would reflect, would have some uh, sort of taste of the apple, would have the flavor of the apple itself. Okay? And uh, and Rashi says that when the verse discusses the actual uh, production of these trees it does not say in the verse eights pre osapri that the that the, the the tree is of a fruit producing fruit it only says a tree producing fruit it leaves out that extra eights pre that tree of fruit in which indicates says rashi that the earth did not comply with god 's order with hashem 's order that the tree itself tastes like the fruit, but rather the earth only produced a tree that produces fruit and the fruit has a flavor, but the tree itself does not have a flavor. And Rashi tells us that the earth disobeyed Hashem's command by failing to create a tree that the tree itself would taste like the fruit. And Rashi says that Hashem did not immediately punish the earth, but rather waited until Adam and Eve sinned by eating from the tree of good and evil, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when Hashem cursed Adam, when Hashem cursed Adam after he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Hashem said that the earth will be cursed um, because of you, and that the earth would uh, produce brambles and insects and all sorts of other problems. The earth would not uh, produce the level of produce that it had previously. This is this is a very strange passage in Rashi. Let's focus on on a few questions over here that we need to explore. Question number one. As far as I know, and as far as you know, only mankind, only humanity, is given the capacity of free will. So what does it mean that the earth failed to obey Hashem's command? Uh, The earth doesn't have a choice in the matter. Earth, the ground, uh, inanimate objects, or even animate Objects like animals and plants don't have free will to decide to obey God's order or not to obey God's order. So, how are we to understand this idea that the earth failed to comply with God's order, that it produced a tree, that the tree tastes like the fruit? That's question number one. Question number two: What exactly is up with the tree tasting like the fruit? Why is that such a big deal? Why does Hashem want that in creation? And Uh, why is this this specific area of all the commandments of Hashem that Hashem puts forth in creation uh, that here the earth fails to comply the earth seems to comply with everything else that it's ordered to do but suddenly when it comes to producing a tree that um, whose wood would taste like the fruit it will produce suddenly the earth has a hard time complying what's up with that okay and third of all Uh, Why does Hashem wait to punish the earth when Adam and Eve sin and eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Why not punish the earth immediately? And, And insofar as the earth is not being punished immediately, why is the point of Adam and Eve's sin a good time to punish the earth? These are the questions that I'd like to focus on as we try to understand what exactly this means. So the first thing we need to understand, and this is an idea that we'll come back to, God willing, in future podcasts, whenever we talk about sins of either inanimate objects or non-human objects, be they animals, trees, plants, earth, sky, uh, we'll talk about, hopefully in a future podcast, the conversation of the moon with Hashem, the moon and the sun, conflict. Um, they These things indeed do not have free will. And the sources say, on a very basic level, that whenever we talk about so called quote unquote sins of what's called domim and chai, inanimate or plant or animal life, we are actually uh, talking about a situation that Hashem put into place deliberately. That, so to speak, Hashem deliberately ordered or wanted these things to quote unquote sin, to do something wrong, in order to teach us a lesson. In other words, um, the world itself reflects the lessons that Hashem wants us to learn from it. And when we see a shortcoming in the world around us, it is there in order for us to learn from and understand that creation has certain um, frailties and certain shortcomings that are part and parcel of our existence as well. And so whenever we talk about a sin on a global level of of any sort of non-human thing, it is actually deliberately planted there as an as a inherent shortcoming in creation that we need to recognize as being a shortcoming that affects us as well. This is true for angels as well. When we talk about an angel uh, making a mistake or sinning, uh, it does not mean that the angel deliberately sinned. Angels do not have the capacity to not listen to Hashem either. And hopefully we'll talk about that when we talk about mistakes of angels. But the idea again is that Hashem deliberately has the angel do something quote-unquote wrong uh, in order to uh, clue us in that there is this reality of a shortcoming creation that we need to struggle with. So with that um, introduction in place, we can begin to talk about what exactly was going on with the earth and the production of trees and so on. And I want to share with you an approach from the great uh, Rabbi Elio Eliezer Dessler uh, in his very famous work, Michtav Michtav May Elio, translated into English as Strive for Truth. And Riv Dessler explains the following idea. He says that the idea of a tree, that the wood itself of the tree tastes like the fruit, is not just some nice extra bonus that Hashem puts into creation. Not only can you eat the apple off the tree, you can even chew on the wood and it'll taste like apples. No, no, no. That's not not the idea. The tree is a pipeline. The tree is a conduit. It's a means for producing the fruit. When when we talk about a fruit tree, if you plant a fruit tree in your yard, you are ostensibly planting it because you want fruit. And so the tree is the pipeline. It's the conduit. It's the means for producing the fruit that you would like to get. And so a tree represents a pipeline in this world. It's representative of something that is there for the purpose of bringing out the final product. And whenever you have an item that is there to serve as a pipeline for bringing out a final product for for an ENDS, when you have an item that's a means for an ENDS, The ideal situation is that the means is devoted solely, completely, and absolutely to nothing, but bringing about that ends, that final result. So if I wanted a perfect tree, the perfect tree would be one that does nothing and reflects absolutely nothing besides producing fruit. If I have an apple tree, I want to do nothing except produce apples. And so when you prune the tree, you are pruning the tree with the goal that it will produce more apples. You will not prune it in a way that it'll produce more foliage and probably not even more or nicer flowers. You're going to prune that tree so that it produces more, better, sweeter, more robust apples. That's your goal. That's the purpose of the tree. If uh, another person comes along And he says, you know, this tree produces very nice flowers, very nice foliage. I'm going to water it and fertilize it uh, in such a way that it will produce more leaves. At the expense of the apples, you're not going to be too happy. Because you are now, uh, this individual is now um, directing the energies of the means, the apple tree, in a different direction to produce uh, more leaves or more flowers. I'm not interested in that. I want the apples. That's what this tree is here to do. The earth is the place that is seeded, it is planted, and it brings forth produce. The earth itself is a means for producing goodness in this world. And the earth itself really is meant to be seeded, to be planted, to receive the seeds, to receive the goodness, the the, the potential uh, that is planted within it, and then to bring it forth and to produce it. And ideally we want the earth to do nothing but that, And in the case of the earth producing trees, Hashem wanted the earth to focus, to bring forth a a product, namely a tree, which would reflect the idea that if you are a conduit, if there is a pipeline in this world, if there is something here that is meant to bring about a product, it should do nothing but be devoted solely to producing that product and nothing else. And the way to reflect that is that the tree tastes like the fruit. In other words, the tree is a reflection of its stated mission. That is, it's a fruit-producing tree. And the way it reflects that mission is, the wood tastes like the fruit. That reflects, it's solely devoted to producing, an apple tree will taste like apples, an orange tree will taste like oranges, and so on and so forth. And the idea is that this will be a reflection of the idea that this tree is to do nothing but produce Apples, plums, oranges, olives, you name it, whatever it is, that's its sole mission, its only mission. It is wholly, completely, and absolutely devoted to realizing that purpose and that goal. We as humans are given this challenge, and we actually have, Free will, we have free choice to decide. We are put here with a mission in life, and that is to bring about Kiddush Hashem, to sanctify God's name in the world through whatever mission He gives us. Part of that mission is to fulfill Torah, mitzvot, to do what we have to do in life. And all of us has a, every one of us has a mission in life that we need to fulfill and we need to reach and we need to achieve. The problem is we get sidetracked, we get distracted, we have temptations, It might be um, egotistical temptations. I'm focused on my own honor and glory. That sidetracks me. It might be physical lusts and desires, food, other areas of life that drag a person down. Um, I'm lazy, I'm sleepy, I'm desirous, I'm hungry. Whatever it is, these things tend to sidetrack us from our mission and get us distracted. It's a challenge we have. This is a reality that not just a human is created with, but that is inherent in the earth from which mankind is taken. When Adam is created from the earth, the very nature of the earth is planted within Adam. And so we have the earth, which is down here on earth, believe it or not, far away from heaven, far away from the source of all life, far away from Hashem. And so the earth is, is given potential. It's planted with seeds. It's given water, fertilizer, sunlight. And Hashem says, bring forth fruit trees. Bring forth um, produce. All these things should come forth from the earth, but the earth is far away from Hashem. And so the earth, because it's far away from Hashem, in a certain sense, has a quote-unquote shortcoming. In other words, Hashem created it with this shortcoming that it has the option of not fully expressing what it's supposed to do. It can go off in a different direction. It doesn't have to focus solely on its mission if it chooses not to because it's not in the presence of Hashem constantly to be have that unique special uh, acute awareness. Oh, I can't veer off the path. Hashem's right here in front of me. If I veer off that's death. No. You're far away. The earth is far away from Hashem. You have the earth has the option, so to speak, of veering off the path. Hashem's not looking. Hashem's not here. I can engage in my own wants and desires and my own my own ego trip my own uh, and, and have a good time in my own life just for a little while, but I can veer off the path, and so this shortcoming is inherent in the creation of the earth, and Adam and Eve having been created from Earth as well as the soul, but the body, the physical part of of, of a human, is created from the earth, that reality of the potential to veer off the path, to do my own thing, to do what I want to do is part and parcel of my makeup as a human being. And that shortcoming is reflected in when the earth brings forth the tree. Hashem tells the earth, I want you to bring forth a fruit tree, I'm sorry, a tree that will reflect nothing but its mission of producing fruits. Guess what? The earth fails to deliver. Okay, this is not so much the earth choosing, so to speak, it's rather a reflection of the reality, of the shortcoming, of the fault that is inherent in the earth, in its being far away from Hashem, in its being the recipient of Hashem's blessing and the ability to bring forth the potential, but also with the ability to move away from realizing that potential and doing something else. And so when the earth produces a tree that does not have the flavor of the fruit, we are presented, we are faced with a reality in creation, in the world, in our lives, that says you don't always have to stay solely focused on the mission. You have the ability to be distracted. You have the ability to veer off the straight and narrow path, if you want. And so that is the message that is given by the trees being produced or being brought forth by the earth without the wood tasting like the fruit. It's a message that yes, we will produce fruits, but there's other stuff going on as well. And this ultimately, this shortcoming is expressed in Adam and Eve's eating from the tree of good and evil. Let's think about this for a minute. Hashem tells Adam and Chava, He tells Adam and Eve, You can eat from any tree you want, except for the tree of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. Well, uh, if Adam and Eve want to do nothing but express their mission as being Hashem's pipeline to the world, where human is supposed to reflect, supposed to be be a, a walking, talking, living, Kiddush Hashem, sanctify God's name. I am here for no other purpose than to reflect God's greatness in the world. Then they listen to Hashem's order. They don't eat from that tree. But guess what? They're human, and as humans, they have foibles and frailties and faults, namely, that they decide to do their own thing. And we'll talk, hopefully, more about that in a future podcast, about what exactly they were thinking when they ate from that tree. Why would you want to die? Okay, they were seduced by the snake, but we'll talk about that then. Let's not get too far off course over here in our conversation. Let's try to uh, stay the course and get to our ends and our final goal. But when Adam and Eve decide to to, uh, strike off on their own and do their own thing and not be solely a reflection of Hashem's greatness in the world. What they have just done is as humans they have chosen to express that part of their makeup that is the ability to not listen to Hashem, to not stay solely focused on the mission of reflecting Hashem's greatness. Where did that reality, where did that possibility come from? From the earth from whence they were created. And so, the ultimate failure, the ultimate shortcoming of the earth, that is, that being distant from Hashem and thus having the ability to not stay solely focused on what I'm supposed to be doing, to only reflect Hashem's greatness, that shortcoming, as expressed by Adam and Eve, ultimately traces itself back to the earth and to the earth's bringing forth trees that do not taste like the fruit. But when did did the world actually make a real choice to bring that shortcoming out into the world, that's with Adam and Eve. And thus, when Adam and Eve expressed that shortcoming that they were created with by being made from the earth, so then the earth is also cursed, so to speak. Meaning, this aspect of the earth, that the earth will not stay focused solely on its mission, is fully brought out into its its glaring failure uh, through the sin of Adam and Eve. And consequently, Hashem's curse to Adam includes the curse of the earth. What is the curse of the earth? The earth will not produce as it had previously. It'll make you problems. It'll bring forth weeds. You'll have insects you'll have to fight with. And even when it does produce, you'll have to work very hard to bring forth the food. You don't just harvest a loaf of bread off the plant. You've got to grow it. You've got to water it. You've got to weed it. You've got to harvest it. You've got all the processes, which, by the way, are reflected in the melachos, the forbidden areas of labor on Shabbos, uh, known as the order of making bread. Many melachos of Shabbos are the process of making bread. That is the process of taking the good from the bad. And all that is because of Adam and Eve's sin, because Adam ate from the tree, Hashem now curses Adam and the earth from, where, from whence he was taken by saying the earth will not be focused solely on producing good stuff. There's going to be distractions there will be weeds, there will be insects, there will be chaff, there will be straw, there will be all sorts of stuff you have to push out of the way through a lot of work and effort in order to get the final goal. That loaf of bread is going to take an awful lot of work because you're going to have a lot of distractions, a lot of, a lot of things along the way that you're going to have to push out of the way and, and, and sort out in order to get to your final goal. And so therefore it makes a lot of sense when we say that the punishment of the earth came with the punishment of Adam, with his curse. Because this idea that the earth has a shortcoming, that it gets thrown off course, it gets distracted from its mission, was fully expressed through the sin of Adam. And so Adam, having brought that out into its full glaring expression in creation, that he chose to do his own thing, and not just serve as a pipeline, as a conduit for sanctifying Hashem's name, was the final step in the earth's shortcoming and therefore Adam will now have to grapple with the realities of personal growth but we'll talk more about that when we get to the sin of Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I hope you enjoyed this and I wish you a wonderful day.